Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This week's episode is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. If you have not already subscribed, come and join us to get exclusive content and goodies. Pricing starts at $3 a month or $29 a year. The next levels are $5 a month or $49 a year, or the super deluxe is $10 a month or $99 a year. Those yearly packages are great deals all the way around. The features you get depend on, of course, which level you pick, but you can get a behind-the-scenes newsletter from staff, exclusive deals to the Book Riot store, a dedicated Read Harder podcast to help you tackle the Read Harder challenge this year, a new release index that Liberty curates and is beautifully designed to help you keep track of all the books that are coming out soon and create your own watch list. And at that $10 a month level, you get to join an insiders-only forum on Slack to talk to other insiders, as well as Book Riot staff and contributors, including us. We hang out there a lot. There are only a few of those spots at the epic level left. So if you're listening, to this and you've been thinking about it, do not delay. Go to bookriot.com slash podcast insiders to find out more and join today. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 104. And today we are talking about books released on April 25th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi. So I can almost pretty much change that back to fellow well redhead now. I know, because I was we're just about to say that. Ginger ninjas again. I know, I went back to the ginger. Yeah. Or like, I thought I went back to the ginger. It's pretty red now. Um, But a lady at yoga yesterday told me that she liked my purple hair. And I had a moment (laughs) of like, but it's not purple. But is it? Maybe it's the lighting. I don't know. Maybe it changes Uh, with your mood. Maybe. Oh, that would be amazing. (laughs) That'll come in the future. I don't doubt it for a second. (laughs) Oh, it would be great. Like it can just turn flaming when I'm super (laughs) angry or like a very mellow blue when I'm chill. That would be great. Yeah. I'm already not very good at hiding how I'm feeling about things, so my hair, just giving it all away would be perfect. It would be very stressful. You'd have to shave your head before you went into a meeting. (laughs) Well, this is the benefit of working online, right? Like, no one can see me during meetings. That's right. I I think I showed you this, but I was watching the new um, Mystery Science Theater the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- you know how like they talk over the episodes or the movies or whatever they're watching and there's this guy and he's doing this work and he's by himself they're like that's not realistic that man has pants on if he was working <laughs> alone he wouldn't be wearing pants and I was like yep that is true it's so real it's so real uh, and when you were doing the intro and you said April 25th 2017 my brain had this moment of like that can't be right <laughs> We're so far into the year already. It's crazy. And next week, we were talking before the show, next week is a bonkers week of new releases. Yeah, it's it's an embarrassment of riches. It is not as big as March 7th, but pretty big, but pretty close. (laughs) You want to kick us off? Yes. 
My first pick is Anything is Possible by Elizabeth Strout. She of the My Name is Lucy Barton and Olive Kitteridge fame. This is, I would say, more of a companion than a sequel to Lucy Barton. I've seen it called a sequel, but it's more characters that take, it takes place in the same uh, world with those characters, but it's not, you don't have to read My Name is Lucy Barton to follow along. It's also being hailed as a novel, or I don't even know, hailed, like called a novel, hailed is a, is a big word for that. Um, I would say they're more interconnected stories than a novel. Um, they, like I said, they all revolve around characters mentioned in Lucy Barton, um, and it's again set in small towns in Illinois and Maine. Um, they're filled with, these stories are filled with gossip and past hurts and secrets and long-held resentments. Uh, it's about what people will do for their family, what people will put up with for their children, for their security, you know, what people will, and how people are judged for not doing some of these things, you know, who will not stay in a bad marriage, you know, or who will not, you know, live with their children. Um, and they're interconnected in a way, like, you're reading a story about a guidance counselor and some of the things that she's dealing with at school. And you also know that she has feelings for a man that she sees in town. And then later on, there's a story with that man and he's dealing with something going on in his life. Um, and at the end of that story, he travels to a and b and has a, a thing with the innkeeper. Not a relationship, but like there's an incident with the innkeeper. And then later on, you... Like, in the book, there'll be, like, a story about the innkeeper, and she's dealing with a bunch of stuff in her life, and then she happens to mention, like, oh, she remembers this one time where this man came to stay. Um, they all sort of, like, weave in and out of each other. And she just... Her writing just kills me. Like, I'm just a wreck when I read her. I think because so much of it reminds me of my own life, and that happens sometimes to some of us, and it's mm -hmm. sometimes in great ways and sometimes in not great ways, but she just kills me how she nails it. You know, she, too, is from Maine. Elizabeth Stroud is, and... They see so much of my experiences and my family and my town, like, in these stories. I'm just, just wrecked. Every time I finished one, I was like, ugh. You know, like, we had, like, the small town rumors and the gossip and, you know, the, the guy who mowed the lawn in his dead mother's dress, you know, like, that weird, you know, quirky town character. There's some of these in this book. Um, and also because, you know, and I don't want to, like, dissuade people from reading them, but they're all very sad and emotional because these are people who get to the end of their lives and they're like, I am filled with regret because I did not do this. Or they get to the end of their lives and they find out, like, this was not what they thought it was. Like, their spouse had been cheating or their child had done this thing or, you know, this horrible thing had happened and nobody told them. Um... And, but that is life. Like, that is life. Like, nobody knows what's what's coming or what's happening, and people keep secrets, and they're just so beautiful and devastating. I'm just completely astounded by her writing again and again. Again, this one is called Anything is Possible by Elizabeth Strout. Oh. I, like, I, I read this, and I told, you know, and I was like, <laughs> and Pete's like, oh, the book I was like, same lady as last time. <laughs> you know, just like. <laughs> it's one of those, like, magic, but really difficult things sometimes when oh, your life is just right there. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, my first pick this week is called Startup by Dori Shafrir. I think I talked about this either at the end of 2016 or earlier this year when we were talking about our uh, more anticipated titles of the year. Dori is one of the, I can't remember what her exact position is, like senior editor, fancy people at BuzzFeed. Um, I've been following her online for a long time. She's great and smart and funny and informative. And this debut novel is set um, in the world of tech startups in New York City. It's a rotating like carousel of 
character voices, which you all know is a thing that I love. Um, and so it's about Mac McAllister, which that's a great name for a like startup bro dude. Um, he has just gotten his mindfulness app take off valued at $600 million. He's like the super hot guy of the moment. He's giving talks all over town, but he's like secretly losing his stuff. Um, he's insecure. He's worried that, uh, you know, like he's giving off this public persona that he's got everything together and he's like got the whole company meditating, but he's kind of starting to get desperate. He has been quietly dating one of the women in his company who reports to him and she or they've been sleeping together, but they've been insisting that it was nothing and that they're seeing other people too. But then she meets someone that she gets really into and he can't handle that. And so he sends her some ill-advised photos of a particular part of his anatomy um, that a young reporter named Katia Pasternak, who is one of the other main characters of the book, happens to see at a party. Katia works for a tech blog and she's looking for her big scoop because like many uh, tech based and internet based publications, she's now under lots of pressure to generate big stories and lots of clicks. So she's seen these texts from the CEO of one of the biggest startups in town to his subordinate uh, that seem unwanted. And she has this potential big sexual harassment story. Uh, and then we get to hang out also with a woman named Sabrina, who works at Max company and her husband is Katia's boss at the tech blog. She's in her mid 30s. She's exhausted. She she has two kids. She feels way too old for this whole startup world. And she also has a pile of secret credit card debt. Uh, and the whole, like the tension of the story revolves around uh, Katya trying to decide if she's going to do anything with this story about sexual harassment at takeoff. Um, if so, what she's going to do about it. Mac trying to get big funding for the company and keep his stuff all together. Uh, and Sabrina wrestling with the complexities of being, you know, in her mid thirties and a mother and also working with all these young people in tech and dealing with uh, a difficult relationship with her husband. And there's just great, like if you live your life on the internet and you know some things about tech startups, this book will feel so real and true uh, for the kinds of people that you find and for some of the stereotypes that are borne out to be true um, about what these companies are like and sort of the value of uh, like the value that startups place and that the sort of millennial driven startups place on your job being the thing that gives you everything. Like Sabrina as the oldest character in the book is really confused by the fact that you're supposed to go to work and work, you know, like a million hours a week and then also want to hang out with your coworkers and they're supposed to be your friends and your leisure time also like that. There's no such thing as work life balance. She just does not, get it. Um, and there's great stuff about social media built in, like how rumors start to circulate that then get picked up in stories that have no substance, but that are just repeating the same thing until that itself becomes the story. Um, it's a really fun book. Um, it's out from Reagan Arthur, who has a great eye for things that are current and relevant. Um, I think I could see this really easily as I was as I was reading. I could see the movie in my head really easily. And I think I read somewhere that the film rights are going around. This would make an interesting uh, TV show or 
Well, I guess maybe Silicon Valley has kind of done the TV show, but it would be a great fun movie to watch. And Dory like, is a woman who's worked in tech and online for a long time. And so she also goes right to the heart of what it is to be a woman uh, on the internet and what it is to be a woman in this very sort of bro-y, male-dominated startup world. Um, and what do you do when you know that you should report sexual harassment, but also there's this huge fear that it's going to ruin your own career and not the person who's been harassing you as well. It's pretty light. I really enjoyed it. This is a good, fun novel going into summer. Again, it's called Startup by Dory Shafrir. I'm going to see her on Sunday. Oh, are you? Yeah, in conversation with Annie Hartnett, who wrote Rabbit Cake, so I'm Mm. doubly excited. We'll tell her hello from Book Riot. I will do that. Do you want to hear about our first sponsor? Yes, please. All right. Our first sponsor this week is I Found You by Lisa Jewell. It's out from Altria Books, which is a Simon & Schuster imprint. Two decades of secrets, a missing husband, and a man with no memory are at the heart of this brilliant new novel filled with the beautiful writing, believable characters, pacey narrative, and dark secrets. That's uh, a quote from the Daily Mail of London that make Lisa Jewell so beloved by audiences on both sides of the Atlantic. She's a wonderful storyteller. Her characters are believable. Her writing is strong and poetic, and her narrative is infused with just enough intrigue to keep the pages turning. Readers of Leanne Moriarty, Paula Hawkins, and Ruth Ware will love this. And that is from Library Journal Starred Review. So you know this book is getting great coverage. The book is set in a windswept British seaside town. It's about a single mom named Alice who finds a man sitting on the beach outside her house. He has no name, no jacket, and no idea how he got there. Against her better judgment, she invites him inside. Meanwhile, in a suburb in London, 21-year-old Lily Monroe, or sorry, Monroe's, has been only married for three weeks. When her new husband fails to come home from work one night, she's left stranded in a new country where she knows no one. Then the police tell her that her husband never existed. 23 years earlier, Gray and Kirstie are teenagers on a summer holiday with their parents. Their annual trip to the quaint seaside town is passing by uneventfully until an enigmatic young man starts paying extra attention to Kirstie. Something about him makes Gray uncomfortable, and it's not just that he's playing the role of protective older brother. So you've got two decades of secrets and a missing husband and, you know, all sorts of good stuff here. Lisa Jewell was born and raised in North London. She lives there with her husband and two daughters as well. Um, Lots of great recognition for her books. She's written 12 novels, including The House We Grew Up In and The Third Wife. This new one is called I Found You. It's by Lisa Jewell. I think that last year she had a book coming out called The Girls, but it was coming out like the same week as Emma Klein's book. As the Emma Klein? Oh, no. Yeah, so they changed it to The Girls in the Garden. I think that was her. She's very prolific. She's great fun. Awesome. I've never read her. I'll have to check her out. Speaking of great fun, I'm so excited about this book. Um, (laughs) This is like the perfect Liberty book. Yeah, it's banana pants. Exactly how I like it. Uh, It's called Born by Jeff Vandermeer. And I could be talking out my elbow, but I think this is his first book since the Annihilation trilogy wrapped up. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. So extra exciting. Epic nerd purr. Uh, Born is set in the future. I should say Born is B-O-R-N-E. And it is set in the future. It's the sort of dystopia land that was brought about partly by the biotech firm called The Company. They're sort of like the big bad in this story. They're the Skynet or the Wolfram and Hart of the story. And the company's discarded experiments come back to bite them and everyone else in the form of Mord, who is a giant bear several stories high. 
<laughs> who escapes from the company, wreaks havoc on everything, causes all these problems, basically destroys the company. Um, and now he wanders the cities and you have to watch out for him, obviously. He will eat you. He will step on you. He will knock your stuff over. And people have learned to, like, sort of live around him. And, like, even even when he's laying down, he's three stories high, like, when he's sleeping. Um, and while he's sleeping, scavengers go and pick his fur for things. Like, he, he manages to collect all this stuff in his fur from, like, knocking stuff over and rolling around and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and scavengers go and they pick his fur. And one of these scavengers is a young woman named Rachel. And one day while she's, like, climbing through his fur while Mort is sleeping, she sees this pulsing, shiny, shimmery purple blob. Like, the size of a baseball. And it's in his fur. And it's just sort of, like, it, every once in a while, it, like, pulses, like, this green color. And she's like, oh, what's that? So she takes it and she brings it back to her her hideout, her den that she's... Um, shares with a man named Wick. He's her boyfriend. He's also her partner. In they, they help each other out. They keep each other alive. Um, Wick is a drug dealer. He deals in beetles. He like makes these like sort of altered beetles that will give you like crazy memories or make you really happy or if you make you really euphoric and you like stick them in your ear and they climb into your brain, um, which I'm sure is also something that's coming in the future. So she brings him. Born shows him this. He, basically, Born looks like a little sea anemone, which reminds her of the island that she was born on, which no longer exists because a lot of the world has been flooded or ruined. And he's got like a little mouth on the top of his head. But at the, at the beginning, Blob isn't. This Blob is like an it. Um, but as she takes care of it or just keeps it, it, it starts to grow. It becomes sentient, and she names him Born. And she feels very maternal. Like this is like this terrible, awful world that they're living in now. And she feels this, like, sort of sort of very protective of Bourne. Um, but what they don't know, her and Wick, because they hide him from the world, they hide Bourne from the world, they don't know, you know, what he is or what he will become or where he came from, you know. And the more he grows, the more danger that they could be in. Um, not just because they don't know what he is, but also it turns out that not everybody at the company is dead and there are people who would kill to get their hands on Bourne. So this is a banana pants awesome novel that... I just absolutely loved. So much fun. I don't want to ruin any more of it, but it's so good. So much fun. And He's just, his brain is oh my just goodness. such a place. <laughs> it's it's just insane. And I don't know if you saw this online, but I got a beautiful finished copy and mm -hmm. I was eating muffins yesterday. I went to the bakery and got a little paper bag of muffins and <laughs> I, I, did set, see this. Them, this I set them on my desk. And later on, I was like looking at this book for today. I was looking over it and I was like, oh, I got grease on the cover, and then I held it in a certain way, and I realized it wasn't grease. They have, like, a shiny bear jaw thing, like, on the cover if you hold it in the light, and it's so cool. I love <laughs> stuff like that. It was really cool. So, it was a good funny moment. Yes, and I didn't ruin my book, so bonus. <laughs> awesome. What have you got uh, next? My next book is, I was so excited when this showed up in the mail. I had not heard of it, and it's just perfect. It's called Awkward, The Science of Why We're Socially Awkward and Why That's Awesome by Tai Tashiro. He is a psychologist and interpersonal relationship expert, and the book is a look at what it means to be 
awkward um, and sort of how that ties into this fundamental need that all people have to feel that we are seen and that we belong somewhere. And uh, he also has this sense that modern life has made us all more awkward and has made us all feel more awkward. So he defines awkward as somebody who has trouble like understanding the expectations of various social settings, who is stressed out by figuring out what to do in various social settings. Like he tells this story about himself as an awkward young man that um, he would walk into a room and like freeze in the doorway of the room, looking, just trying to figure out what was happening, like in a party and where he should go and who he should talk to. And of course, like that freezing made him stand out and seem more awkward. Um, That awkward people are often sort of very into the things that they are interested in and they have this laser focus and he differentiates that people who aren't socially awkward can see the broad picture of like what's happening on stage but the people who are awkward see very narrowly focused like things are in a spotlight Um, and he he sort of places this as we're not talking here about folks who are on the autism spectrum whose difficulty with reading social cues um, or who's like really sort of savant style um, intellectual abilities affect um, affect their lives in really significant ways or might have an impact on their ability to like to go to school or to get a job or to make friends or um, to find a partner in in a really painful way this is like not just run-of-the-mill embarrassing uncomfortable stuff but also it's not clinical or pathological Um, the folks that he's talking about. And he sort of dives into what is it that's really happening when we feel awkward? And what is it that makes someone go from like a person who has occasional awkward moments, which is all of us, to a person who is, who thinks of themselves and who other people think of as like, as an awkward person, as in like, you consistently have trouble with the social graces, um, I guess, or reading the room, um, mastering smooth interactions that make other people feel comfortable around you and then make you in turn feel recognized and like you belong. Um, so he goes into the social science and also some of the neurology that he's discovered is tied to awkwardness. He talks about like, we need to make space for the fact that sometimes people are just awkward and try to look past the first impressions so that we can get to know these people who are awkward and so that awkward people get to contribute their talents and their interests to the world. But he ties it into like into examples that all of us can relate to in some way. Stuff He tells stories from schools, from workplaces. There's a whole section on dating and relationships on why sex can be so awkward. Uh, it's really thoughtful. And he puts so much of his own stories into the book that it's not like someone coming down from the heavens to pronounce like, here's why you are awkward. He's very much interested in relating to the reader as, uh, you know, someone who knows of what he speaks because he's inherited, he's uh, experienced it himself. Um, It's kind of in the vein of Quiet by Susan Cain. I don't think it's it's not, I don't think it's positioned to like take over in that way um, that that quiet just took off because so many people do uh, see that our culture values extroversion when if you're introverted and you need lots of quiet time to recharge, that's not a thing that we place a lot of social value on. But there is this like huge social value on like being smooth and on making other people feel comfortable and then they like you. And if you're awkward, it's sort of this self-perpetuating cycle of not quite getting it, not quite feeling connected. Um, So he talks about that and he gives some tips on what awkward people can do to um, overcome that 
that limitation and master social interactions and what non-awkward people can do to make the social life better for everyone. Um, I thought it was really interesting, smart, and thoughtful. And I was a little skeptical, like, how are you going to get a book's worth of information out of this concept? But it's really great. Again, it's called Awkward, the Science of Why We're Socially Awkward and Why That's Awesome by Tai Tashiro. I have no segue. <laughs> yeah, there's not one. <laughs> um, but going back about as far away from born as I can possibly get, my next <laughs> pick is The Last Neanderthal by Claire Cameron. She wrote a book called The Bear, speaking of bears and giant bears, um, several years ago, and she's just so fantastic. This new one is called The Last Neanderthal, and it is about the last Neanderthal family. Um, there's Big Mother, uh, him, Runt, Bent, Girl, and a few others who live together in a cave. They hunt together. They seek out mates together. Um, and she talks about, like, this family. Now, like, Big Mother is the leader. She's the head of the family. She's really, really old. Like, her teeth have fallen out. She has wrinkles. You know, she's she's almost 30. She's so old. Like, they just can't believe, you know, 30. It's amazing. Like, listen, like when she talks about, like, oh, she's 30. She's ancient. It's like, oh, my goodness. Um, and so Big Mother's in charge. And now it is time, at this time in the book, it's time to go on a hunt. And it is time to find girl a mate. They're going to travel to the meeting place because they need to have babies and make their family bigger. Um, but disaster strikes and it leaves girl and runt alone. And so now girl must care for herself and also for runt who is six or seven. He wandered into their camp one day. He had been shunned by his family. And so they took him in. So now she like the weight of the world is on her shoulders. You know, she doesn't know where she is or what she's going to do. Um, there is a parallel storyline uh, in this book. It takes place in modern day. It's about an archaeologist named Rosamond Gale, and she is very pregnant, and she is hurrying to excavate this new cave in France that they found before the baby arrives. Um, and when she's doing this, she stumbles across an extraordinary find, and by stumbles across, I mean she works really, really, really hard and eventually, <laughs> you know, something turns up. So she finds this extraordinary thing. Um, and, you know, it's the story of, like, the bones that she finds and and what that means. And ultimately, The Last Neanderthal is a story about what it means to be a woman in the past and in the present and what it means to be alive. Um, and I just, it's so beautiful it, because even though... The, the, the Neanderthals, you know, they don't have a lot. They don't talk much, at least in the book. Um, Cameron's writing is just so rich and vivid. You know, we have no idea, like, what this was like for people 40,000 years ago. Um, but she just makes it so realistic and just wonderful how the story flows. Um, I'm completely fascinated by fossils. Like, just, you know, fossils and also, like, when they find, you know, in TV, like, crime shows, they find bones, and they're like, this is what that person would have looked like if, you know, they were alive today. It just freaks me out. Like, you can take a tiny little piece of bone and, like, tell all these things about people just from that, you know? Like, I wonder if, like, thousands of years from now, they'll dig up my bones and be like, she drank too many energy drinks and died from it. <laughs> she also loved books and hit her head a lot. Like, it's just, I'm completely... Oh, yes, these are book-related concussions. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, it completely fascinates me. And Claire Cameron is so smart and so interesting. I follow her on Twitter, like, and on Instagram. Like, it's just her herself. She's amazing. Um, and this book is everything that I wanted it to be. Again, it's called The Last Neanderthal by Claire Cameron. Woo! Yes. 
Do you want to hear about our next sponsor? I do. I'm really excited. Okay. Third Love is back. Surprise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you know that women change bra sizes an average of six times in their lives? That's why finding the perfect fitting bra can make all the difference. Thankfully, Third Love bras were developed using thousands of real women's measurements, and they range from sizes AA to G, including their signature half cup sizes. So no matter what size you are, no matter your body shape, you are sure to find a fit that's right for you. And with Third Love's Fit Finder, it only takes 30 seconds to determine the best size and style for your body. So say goodbye to slipping straps, side overflow, and all the rest, and try Third Love today. And seriously, these bras are the most comfortable. I've actually, I don't know if I told you this, but I've taken to wearing my older ones to bed at night. Oh, no. Yeah, because they're so comfortable. And now, Mm -hmm. like, if I move in my sleep, one doesn't roll off the side of the bed. It's so great. (laughs) But, so seriously, you've heard Rebecca and I say this a million times. They're so comfortable. And Third Love stands behind their products so much that they are willing to let our listeners try a bra from their 24-7 collection for free. Just pay $2.99 for the shipping. You can take the tags off, you wear it, you wash it, wear it to bed. There, And you just do whatever you will do in your normal bra. You do it for 30 days to make sure that it's your new favorite bra. Then if you love it, you keep it, and they'll charge your card. And if you don't love it, they'll send it back for free. You send it back for free, and your card will not be charged. So go to thirdlove.com slash books to get started. And yay! <laughs> yeah. Now, they've mastered, like, the comfortable bra. I mean, we've talked... They have. Like, they really have. But I wonder if they would make an amazing fitness bra. Because I've oh. never found a really supportive fitness bra. So, like, when I run now, it looks like I'm trying to spell YMCA without using my arms. <laughs> and I could really just use one that works better than that. <laughs> it is hard. It seems, like, in my experience, fitness bras are either, like... It's like one piece of super stretchy material and it's comfortable or it actually holds everything in. Mm, I've yet to find that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, Rob, Rob, break it down. Thirdlove.com slash books. Oh, yeah, that awesome. too. All right. My next pick this week is a paperback release of a book that I loved when it came out last year. So I have to give it another shout out. It's I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself, Dispatches from a Life Under Construction by Jen Kirkman. She's a stand-up comedian. She is hilarious and so just open and unapologetic about her life. Her first book was called I Can Barely Take Care of Myself, and it was mostly about being a woman in her later 30s and knowing that she doesn't want children and why she doesn't want children and what it's like to be an intentionally child-free person, uh, an intentionally child-free woman uh, in the modern world, which is a situation that I can relate to very intensely and found her book to be hilarious and also so validating. Um, I Know What I'm Doing is about uh, her, it's sort of a divorce memoir. It's about the end of her marriage, then about being single and sort of going wild, dating men who were much younger than her and often inappropriate for her, figuring out um, that she really likes being single and she still likes being childless and that you're still going to make mistakes and missteps and have like weird adventures in your life all the way through. Um, she tells stories about traveling alone and about, you know, having her career and sort of the the balance of figuring out like that you can't have it all. And so what are the things that you really do want to have? And she's funny all the way through. So you're dealing with like these big life questions, but in a way that doesn't feel like work at all. Um, if you've seen any of her Netflix stand-up specials, you know that she's really great. Um, so the book is called I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself. 
It's out in paperback this week. I can't recommend it enough. I really, really love her. So for my last pick, um, I'm going to talk about my shopping list. Cha-ching! Oh, yes. But, Everyone's favorite. Yes. But instead of, like, books that I want to buy, um, I got to go on a little, like, bookstore vacation last week, which was very exciting. I spent three days in Portland, Maine at Print Bookstore. Um, our friends Josh and Emily own it, and I stayed with Emily and spent the days shopping at the store and, like, looking at everything and asking all kinds of questions, and it was so much fun. And I ended up buying a lot of books, a lot of books, as you can imagine. <laughs> you don't say. Um, I was pretty sure that, you know, when my boyfriend drove up Friday night or Thursday night to pick me up, I had all these um, bags full of books. I thought my, he just might drive by and keep going to Canada, just like, forget it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no hope for me. There's not going to be any space left. Um, so I wanted to tell you about a few that I picked up, which I have not read, but I'm very excited about. Uh, our friend Jen... Jen Norlington, our wonderful friend and co-worker, she was raving about Spare and Found Parts by Sarah Maria Griffin, which is about a girl with a mechanical heart whose father builds parts for people in the future, and she decides to build herself a companion. Uh, I asked the staff for a couple of their favorites and came home with Nightlights by Lorena Alvarez, which is this beautifully illustrated short graphic novel about an imaginative young artist who hates school. She's so bored in school, um, and she makes these incredible drawings, which are, in turn, incredible drawings in the book. And I picked up Company Town by Madeline Ashby, which had actually been on my list, and um, Hannah at the store was so excited about it. It's about a city-sized oil rig called New Arcadia, and the last girl in the future who's not made of tech, and how she's sort of an outcast. I got Binti and the follow-up Binti Home by Nettie Okorafor. Is that how you say it? I can never say it right. I think so. Yeah. Um, the first one, Binti, won the Hugo and the Nebula for Best, no- no- the <laughs> for best Novella. <laughs> I'm so excited. I just get excited. Um, which is basically about higher learning in space. Binti is a woman who gets invited to learn at this school that um, people from her country have never been there before. Um, I got A Taste of Honey by Kai Ashante Wilson, which is like Gods and Emperors and Beastmasters, oh my. Um, Grave Mercy by Robin Lefevers, which is about non-assassins, which, hi, how can you say no to that? Um, Penance, which I know that you absolutely loved. Uh, Kane Mm -hmm. Minato, which is schoolgirl problems. I can't remember you were talking about it. Yeah. And then like regrets and mm-hmm. secrets and stuff. Um, I got Dig, If You Will, The Picture by Ben Greenman, which oh, yeah. is the new book that came out about Prince last week, which I can't believe it's already been a year, but it, it's been a year. Um, and so I had been on the fence, like, back and forth. I, I kept picking up A Horse Walks Into a Bar um, by David Grossman and then setting mm-hmm. it down and being like, uh, mm-hmm. and I've done it like a million times. And then I was sitting at the store on Thursday and they came out with the short list for the man Booker international prize. And it was on there and I was like, okay, sold. <laughs> so I got a horse walks into a bar, which is about, um, a standup comedian and his life is told in the span of like an evening's performance on stage. Um, and I also, cause it would not be, you know, a Liberty shopping trip. Without something really upsetting, I had them special order me a book to be there when I arrived called Follow Me Into the Dark by Felicia Sullivan, which is a super upsetting, disturbing, 
so I'm told, a book about a serial killer and family. So that was exciting. But I absolutely love Portland, Maine. And it's only like 45 minutes north of me, so I get to go there a lot. And it's so great. Lucky girl. Yes. And I ran, randomly ran into one of our friends in a used bookstore who doesn't even live there. Which, so, like, what <laughs> so are the perfect. odds? You know, like, that was amazing. <laughs> so good. Yes. I also bought many, 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 many more books, but we don't have to, we don't have, we'll have to do, like, a whole separate podcast for that, really. Yeah. It was, the Liberty it was Acquisition. And they, you know, because they're not going to be like, no, you've bought too many. Please stop. Right. Don't. <laughs> Please don't give us your dollars. <laughs> We're just a business. <laughs> It was great. So oh, now, that's awesome. what's your last one? My last one this week is, this is one I've had my eye on, but I haven't gotten to yet. It's called Science Blind, Why Our Intuitive Theories About the World Are So Often Wrong by Andrew Stuhlman. Um, I've been rereading, re uh, I can't talk today, um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And it's about cognitive biases and heuristics and the mistakes that we make when we're making snap judgments about the world. Um, and if you're into that stuff, Jeff and I are doing a little side hustle. Not, It's not actually a hustle. It's just a side project podcast called Better Living Through Books that you can find at uh, bltb.fireside.fm where we're working our way through Thinking Fast and Slow a couple chapters at a time um, because it's just there's a lot of meat there. And so when Science Blind came across my desk, I was like, oh, yes, I'm thinking a lot right now about why our intuitive judgments about the world are incorrect. Um, so Stuhlman is getting at, like, if you ask a person, like, if you fire a bullet from a gun and drop one from your hand, which bullet hits the ground first? Um, and we make a snap judgment about those uh, scenarios that's not based in science. It's based in something else. Um, so Stuhlman's uh, take on this, he's a cognitive and developmental psychologist, is that the root of our misconceptions lie in the theories about the world that we develop as children. Um, and he says that these theories are not only wrong, but they close our minds to ideas that are inconsistent with them and that make us unable to learn science later in life. So how do we get the world right? Uh, he's saying we, we have to dismantle our intuitive theories and rebuild our knowledge from its foundations. So I'm really interested. It sounds like this book must build on um, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky's work about about cognitive biases and how we make these um, incorrect judgments, but it sounds also like it might go in a different direction. So I'm really interested in where he's going to fall on that continuum. I love um, thinking about how we're really not nearly as rational as we would like to believe that we are and what, if anything, we can do about that, or at least how we can understand ourselves better in the world by knowing that that's a thing about human brains. Uh, so again, that's called Science Blind by Andrew Stuhlman. Okay. And there's our books! New books are done. What are you going to read now? Oh, you go first, because I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I next put week. you on the spot. Sorry. You did. It's okay. Um, next week is such a big week for books that I don't know like how I'm going to narrow it down. But I've started already reading One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter by Scotchy Cool, um, who is a writer for BuzzFeed Canada, and she's a great follow. BuzzFeed's got some great writers with books coming out. Um, she's a great follow online, and it's a collection of essays um, that I started last night. It was It's really enjoyable so far. So I'm going to finish reading that and see what else I can dig into for next week's big release week. I'm actually in the middle of... I couldn't remember the title, so I was like, you go first. Um, oh, I see. The new Melinda Lowe. It's called A Line in the Dark, and it has one of the most fabulous covers 
I've ever seen on a book. Just, oh, so creepy and good. Google it immediately. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah. And before we say goodbye, can I just say one thing? Can I just say thank you to all our listeners and how much fun it is to do this. And we love and appreciate you so much because oh, we get we to do. do this. And it, it's so much fun. So that's all. Okay, now we can go. Oh, <laughs> love best. Of well, course, I love you. you too. You know that. Well, yes, like, obviously. obviously. <laughs> life mates. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors. I found you by Lisa Jewell. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. You can find it wherever books are sold to third love, get your free 30 day trial of one of their bras at thirdlove.com slash books that lets them know that you came from us and helps us keep getting business uh, and also keeps Liberty in boob jokes, which is good for everybody. <laughs> um, don't forget to check out book riot insiders, go to bookriot.com slash podcast insiders to find out more and join again, if you want to be able to hang out on the insiders only slack that's at the epic level and it is selling really quickly so if you are listening to this on release day for this show and you're thinking about it go do it now come hang out with us we can't wait to spend more time with you if you want to drop us a line directly you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on twitter i'm rebecca shinsky s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y liberty is miss liberty and if you're feeling the love and you want to give us a little gift a rating or a review on itunes goes a long way to helping other folks who are looking for a bookish show to find their way to us and we always appreciate that and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and in the meantime happy, happy reading, reading. <laughs>